What's up, everybody? Welcome to Pending Final, and boy, has it been a while. So, me and Helen have been super busy, but we are back with a passion. And tonight, we are going to be talking about prep, roto, and what's the other one? Compositing. Thank you, compositing. Sorry. (laughs) It's been a week. We both have had a week, so this might be a fun one. So, Helen, help us. First of all, actually, how are you? It's been a very long time. (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely been a week, but uh, I think it's time to get back into, uh, rather than our self-indulgent Marvel love fest. Yeah, it's uh, more, let's talk about the industry. Let's talk about the the actual tools. Let's talk about the, the different ways that people do things and methods. And yeah, let's get into actual visual effects. Nice. Nice. So when when people hear the word prep, is that like kind of a department? Is that a discipline? When we say prep, what exactly does that mean? So prep or paint prep or paint um, is a very, it's considered a very junior discipline. It's part of compositing, but it's something that it's something that doesn't get a whole amount of recognition, despite the fact that when you've got a good prep artist, they are worth their weight in gold. Yes. Prep artists and paint artists, um, very simply, they paint out what you don't want to see. So that could be wires, that could be um, markers on the ground, that could be somebody wearing a microphone, that could be anything. Um, a puppeteer. A puppeteer, that could be... <laughs> Um, a crash mat on the ground where someone, uh, like a stunt person falls. Um, so yeah, they are the people who work the real magic. So you would definitely say they're kind of the un- one of the unsung heroes of the industry. Absolutely. So with that in regards, then so Roto, is that kind of just like a specific bit of prep then? It's... It's not really part of prep, but it goes hand in hand with it. Uh. When people think about rotoscope, which is what roto stands for, um, when people think about rotoscope, they think about... Have you ever seen the music video, Take On Me? How funny. We actually were just singing to this at work today. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I love this music video. Yes. Uh, So this is... um, a, a really solid uh, example of, of rotoscope where somebody has gone and drawn over every frame of, of a video of, of this guy singing or doing whatever, reading a book. It's just the, the plain outline. It's a really cool stylized way of uh, seeing things. So when it comes to visual effects, we don't necessarily need to be drawing over people to replace them with nice lines what these roto artists are doing is essentially in the simplest terms they are drawing a line around the outside of the thing that you want to isolate (laughs) (laughs) they're drawing a line around the thing that they want to isolate and i mean these are also people who are again worth their weight in gold because they can go around individual hairs um like the the best uh thing for a roto artist is for the person that they're working with to be bald. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
yeah. and not have all these flyaway hairs. Curly hair is the worst. Yep. Um, and they will draw around it. And obviously that's fine for one frame. Um, but when you have 24 frames per second and a lot of seconds in your movie, that's an awful lot of things. Um, and reasons you would want to isolate these, say this person, um, as we we talked about when we went through the the whole pipeline, you might want to put a, a computer generated element behind them. You you might want to change what what that background is. You might want to to change how they are interacting with that environment. Now that sound that makes a lot of sense. And actually, it, it's funny because dark crystal basically is the perfect like oh my god so, like champion for this discipline. Like, well, it's it's quite interesting because jumping from like Lion King, which is this spectacular, I mean, it's all spectacular, but what I mean, it's like, this is, you know, we didn't have plates, we, you know, we didn't have scans like this. We have footage on set with the puppeteers and the, the way they paint things out and work around the puppeteers and do the set extensions so they can do the set extensions. And things like that. And again, these characters have long hair and they're flying and you're, you're having four people control a puppet. I, I just, I love watching the, just because I have to scroll between the before and afters when I'm doing sends and things. And it just blows my mind to the point we've even taken, you know, a, a character from a, what was originally shot outside to make him look like he's in a pub. <laughs> and, and it's actually such, and in the grand scheme of things, it's such a simple effect because it is that. It is rotoing him out and then compositing him against a different foreground and background and grading to make him look like he belongs in that environment. But I just, I just remember seeing this the other day and was just like, holy crap, this is... <laughs> this is awesome. It's witchcraft. It is. It really is. And so I, I, I'm really excited to get this episode out with the trailer and everything kind of just premiering that it's it's really emphasizing this discipline. Yeah. And showing that it can be just as spectacular as a full CG character in a metallic suit fighting hundreds of aliens. Yep. There's, my, there's my one Marvel <laughs> reference per episode. <laughs> um, so Roto and Prep are both, like I say, people consider them to be entry-level disciplines, but I'm sure that you can tell from how we are talking about them. We can't do anything without those artists. No. Um, without those artists, we are left with wires showing you where everyone's being flung around. Um, you're you're left with you know puppet puppeteers. You're left with you know all sorts of garbage that you don't want to be seeing that they are getting rid of. Um, but both those disciplines really feed into compositing, mm. and compositing is quite an enormous task. In theory, you are layering things on top of each other so that you create a final image. So you might have a painted background, um, a, a plate, so a, a, some filmed footage of a person, and then a big CGI monster. And the compositor's job is to make all of those 
wildly disparate layers look like they all belong in the same world. This can be achieved um, by making sure that all the colors, uh, this sounds so, so silly, but making sure all the colors match so it doesn't look like some one thing's lit by a blue light and one thing's lit by a yellow light, um, which weirdly enough is one of the awful ways that people did posters for a while where it was just these blue and yellow awful key lights and uh, I have oh, opinions yeah. about yeah, that. We, we can get to that hot take <laughs> in a minute, yes. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so something as simple as that. Um, bedding the images in together, um, when you when you see a photograph of something that was just, you know, taken, that's it. There's a photograph of, say, a field. There is some blurring in the pixels so that it looks like so one color comes through more you've got like translucencies and and the edges there's color bleed around the subjects and something unless it's lit in a very particular way things don't tend to look so separate from their background and the compositors are constantly fighting between make it look as beautiful as possible and make it look as real as possible because those are two very different uh, yes. things to do. <laughs> yes, it is. Very much so. And would you say like a way they kind of, because we've kind of discussed this when we were talking uh, a previous couple of episodes ago about like various shots that were like bad CGI and things. Do you feel another way they can kind of help blend all these layers together is by adding things like a defocus or film grain or things like that to help make this all look like they it all belongs together. Yeah, film grain's actually a super um, key thing because when CG elements are generated, they're obviously generated perfectly. Nobody's going to generate something with, you know, distortions on it. They're going to make the most beautiful thing they can do. Even if it's a dirty thing, it will still be perfectly dirty. <laughs> there is... I'm so making that a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Pending final, perfectly dirty. <laughs> Sorry, continue. But they... <laughs> the, the, the compositors are, whether it's using elements like smoke or, um, or dust to bed things in, or there's a... A really cool technique that they compositors can use, which is to essentially remove the film grain from the stuff that's been shot and then reapply film grain to the entire finished image. And it sort of beds it all together and it makes it, you know, all appear to have been filmed at the same time, even though one of them is a perfectly dirty monster. <laughs> yes. I remember when I had to do... because. um. I think it's also safe to say that most compositing now, the software that is king is Nuke from the Foundry. Yeah. It was, it used to be Shake. And I helped me out, Helen, there might've been another one. I mean, there's all, yeah, there's all sorts of things, but. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess there was also some other finishing like smoke and flame. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah, I was that. thinking about flame. Yeah. So I remember that the, in frame store, they had a few people doing that, but, um, I remember actually having to degrain something. I'm just thinking of my tree, my comp tree. Because basically, for those of you who don't know, when you use Nuke, unlike kind of like editing softwares where you have a timeline and bins and things, you have like just an open canvas and you have all these nodes that are like, and that's my terrible accent, that is N-O-D-E-S, nodes. <laughs> nodes. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't emphasize the D very well in that word. Um, that you have to kind of, it's almost like, think of it like a pipe. 
Um, or like those games where you're like, okay, the ball's going to go down here and things like that. And I just remember my, like my tree having to like degrain something only to add all this stuff in it and then, and then regrain. I, I, at first, like, cause again, coming from more of an editing background, I was like, why? But it's funny now, 10 years later, I'm like, oh yeah, of course. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Things that, um, really confuse you when you first start in this sort of industry and then you go, oh, this is so obvious now. <laughs> oh, well, I think for me as well, when it actually kind of bouncing on compositing, I always compared, had some math analogies. Editing is like algebra. A plus B equals C. Yeah. You cut, blah, blah, blah. Compositing is like calculus. Because I remember having a tutor. Actually, it's funny. We ended up working together later in MPC. <laughs> uh, Ian Murphy would be like, well, you know, you could do it this way. Or you could do it this way. Or you could do it this way. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean? So I could do this like six different ways to get the same outcome. And that's some calculus yep. shit right there. And yep. I just... Oh my god, my brain was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it also depends on the the artist. Sort of, there will be things that make sense to that particular artist, and uh, what you were just saying about the nodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, a hard word. It's such a hard word. <laughs> well, no, node is an easy word. Nodes is the, yes, the S at the end. That's, <laughs> that's impossible. This is truly, truly scintillating conversation from us today. <laughs> um, but the 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 path that you're making for these um, for these shots, to the the path for the all of the inputs to take, and all the different operators that are, that are applied to them. In theory, you could just go from A to B and you've got a little line of things in between. But what will happen if you ever see a compositor's nuke script? You will either see a beautiful work of art where there are <laughs> pre-comps and they are boxed off and they've they've really like they've they've made a template and it all works and they could they could reapply this to anything else in the world and it would be incredible or you just see spaghetti junction there's there's no there's no uh, like middle ground there it's either truly perfect or chaos because because the the people working on them their brains work in specific ways and some people just look at that spaghetti and they're like excellent i am ready to go someone else picks up that nuke script and they are lost forever (laughs) yeah pretty much like yeah i mean it's similar in timelines in terms in terms of like bid management things but yeah Ooh. I would actually love to see a professional comp script. Like, obviously, I had mine, but I did, like, a green screen kind of thing. And, yeah, I had that. Where, And also, you could even have multiple shots in the same nuke script. That was the other thing. It's not like, oh, one nuke script for a shot. I mean, maybe you should do it that way, but I mean... Nah, template it. Make it easy for yourself. You've got three yeah. shots all facing the same way, same character, different, same background, but just different takes of them talking. Use the same script over and over again. It should I, be I, a sensible well, this, way of doing it. Well, yeah, I, again, it's just one of those, because I've never done it in a professional That's environment. Fair. I was wondering how it worked. So, yeah, I just, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, but compositing is actually something that has it essentially was it was one of the first 
visual effects ever created and it's like the biggest most important thing now um so again it's my my boy Georges Méliès <laughs> um filming himself on a perfectly black background uh, so in front of say a perfectly black uh, curtain um which because of the way that the the film exposure works it the, that film was not exposed to light therefore he could refilm over it and create a, a, a background by double exposure. And that was all the way back in like 1890 something. So fascinating. Like he, he yeah. was able to do that then. So after that, they, the, there was obviously painting uh, mats onto glass. So you could have compositing that was done in the camera. Uh, they'd have a pane of glass with a, a cityscape or something on it and you could put that behind or even in front of someone and the camera would just capture what was there and it would give the impression that they were standing in this city. Um, after that, you've got uh, almost like a cinema projector screens behind someone. So they're projecting what they where they want them to be on that and the person is acting in front of it. Again, it all happens within the camera. Yeah. Um, so these are later effects. This is sort of like, I don't know, like, I, I say later, 1910. Um, but this is actually almost more rudimentary than the stuff that Georges Méliès was doing because he was post-processing by doing double exposure. And these people yeah. were just doing it all in camera. So after that, we've got all the different types of blue screen and green screen and all that. But there's Red this screen. one, there's this one that I um, only recently really understood. Um, and it's yellow screen. That's interesting because I thought the reason why you have red screen or yeah, a blue screen, green screen, red screen is RGB. Those are the three layers that, you know, film and things are processed on yeah. colored film. So I'm uh, very interested to hear why yellow Okay, so it was very specific yellow, and I apologize to anybody whose name this is, but I, this is a tough name for me to say. I think it's Vlahos, V-L-A-H-O-S. Looks mm. Greek, gonna say Vlahos. Um, instead of having these different screens, he lit the subjects in sodium light because sodium light is 589 nanometers long and that's it blue uh, is something from like 400 to 500 like all the other types of color in wavelengths are ranges but mm. very specifically this yellow light from these sodium gas lamps was 589 nanometers long so it was so precise that you could you could have people wearing blue and green colors you could have them wearing whatever you wanted so that this was mo like famously used on mary poppins oh. so you've got uh, like dick van dyke in all these ridiculous stupid stripy outfit and everyone's wearing just normal clothes there's no like oh we can't have green we can't have blue um, and obviously we, we use blue screen because it's um, the furthest away from a human skin tone, but it's less precise than green, mm. but it's also less precise than this single length of yellow light. They filmed it all on there. And then there was this one single camera in the whole world that could process this uh, film and, and remove that, that yellow light. 
and it had a single um, prism in it that was able to differentiate that one light, from, that one wavelength from all the others. And it was uh, it was a Technicolor camera that had been repurposed by Walt Disney. And the only reason there was only one in the world is because they could never recreate that prism that they had made ever again. Oh. Interesting. May I ask Go for the, stu- the stupid question? Yeah. You, were, you, you mentioned this word a couple of times. What is a nano... A nano what? Nanometers? Yes. What well, is you that? Well, you've got meters... You got centimeters, you got millimeters, and they get smaller and smaller. And a nanometer is the it's the, tini- it's the, it's the wavelengths of light. It's oh, wow. the tiniest. Okay. Um, hang on, let me get the actual definition of a nanometer. I, I, I don't mean to be thick. I was just like, wait, is that like a lighting term? I was like, oh god, that's so why I was like, I'm not going to interrupt her, but I don't it's know fine. what that means. Um, <laughs> a nanometer is one times ten to the minus nine millimeters so it's naught point naught 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 one did i count was that nine uh, i'm taking your word for it naught point naught 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 one meters <laughs> so you lost me when you started that's giving me how long equation. it is <laughs> wow but you want to hear as slightly unrelated go for when it. i was doing maya i didn't know what naught was we don't say that in America. Oh, yeah. So when someone was giving me some Maya values, I was like, what's that? And they're like, not. I was like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, oh, zero. <laughs> well, it's also, I don't know, naught point naught naught. Or point. It's point, yeah. But yeah, it's, I'm, I guarantee you, ask an American to read a number to you. Read that number to you, I guarantee you they'll say zero. Well... We can agree to disagree on what's the correct way to say oh, things. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not saying that what, the way to say it is wrong. I'm just saying I didn't know it was called that. So when I'm, when I'm taking a class in England here and people are saying not, I was like, huh? I'm just so, saying, you know, it's called the English language. So I think the English people are probably right. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. And it, it, watch it be like a nautical term or something before then. So, oh, no, I am, I am not disagreeing that. But I just thought I'd share that because I was like, Again, kind of going back to when I was learning <laughs> compositing in Maya in the same year, 2010. I was just like, I just, yeah. And learning full stop at the same time, so period. So anyway, but I digress. So that's pretty, that's pretty cool about the yellow screen and things. So And yeah. um, the, the reason that it sort of went away, because it was, it was a, obviously one single camera. That's pretty hard to... Um, I <laughs> say so it's pretty hard to um, like continue working with that. Well, like, yeah, if you just only have one, one camera, that, yeah, it's like, oh, what happens if that camera breaks? Oh, we just don't shit. do the job anymore, I guess. Yeah, oh, there goes the yellow screen. Yeah, bye. <laughs> they did eventually rent it out to other companies, um, but then the Technicolor camera got sort of replaced generally by the Kodak camera. Um, So, you know, things moved on and then, you know, we get to sort of microprocessors and things become digital and everything becomes not easier, but less um, unique. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So you don't have those like, oh, we can only use this one camera because of this. Exactly. 
Uh, that's. I always wonder when people kind of come up with these ideas. Like, is it like the Sir Isaac Newton moment where just something hits them? Not maybe literally, but they're just like, a, <laughs> wow, you know, like, how did this guy think? Oh, I know. I'm going to do yellow. Like, I just, yeah, I'm always curious. I mean, like, well, I'd they love were to see those almost kind of, certainly those aha a moment. Uh, yeah, like an engineer. Someone who dealt with yeah. like wavelengths <laughs> and like visible spectrums of light and things like that. So. Yeah, that's just fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so obviously we get uh, to today and it's blue screens and green screens. Um, like I say, blues and greens, te blues tend to be because of, you know, people's skin tones. Um, greens are, uh, it's it's to do with the, the sensors on the cameras. I think there's... Yeah, there's more detail. I, I know, like, if you go between the channels, I want to say the green channel has the most detail. So if we want to do, like, a really complex chroma key, you're able to, yep. I think, take more detail out easier. So you, like, especially when we're dealing with, like, hairlines and things yes. like that, to my knowledge. No, no, you're absolutely thing. right. <laughs> um, I was just uh, remembering what it was called. It's um, a Bayer filter. Um, it's a mosaic of red, green, and blue, um, which mm. essentially has lines of um, green, blue, green, blue, green, blue, and green, red, green, red, green, red, over and over. So there's a mosaic so that you've got, you know, like this high resolution, but there's always twice as much green as there is blue or red, uh, which is why you have more detail because there's just simply more information can you give a great example of a time when bad compositing really stood out to you and a time when good compositing stood out to you? Um, bad compositing, I absolutely can. And it will always be Indiana Jones and the, and the Crystal Skull. Oh, where, which They're, part? I'm curious. I'm glad you mentioned a very, like, AAA title, they are so on, go for they it. They are fighting on top of a moving vehicle. Um, oh, yes. That and one. <laughs> that obviously came out before I joined this industry. But even then I went, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to our ILM buddies. <laughs> I don't know. Like there's, there's AAA titles out there who, I, like I, I will always say this, it is not the fault of the studios. If uh, It's not the fault of the people creating the visual effects if they don't have the time uh, provided. Say there's been right. a last minute change or there's some internal madness. Um, but sometimes a shot does not get the love and care that it deserves. And you do end up with things yes. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you? I don't even know. I don't know if this even counts. It was that Nicolas Cage film called Drive Angry. Wow, I've never seen that. And the the bad guy, like some Nicolas Cage does something and the, this car, this like Corvette comes on fire and the bad guy is supposed to look like he's standing on the hood <laughs> of the car coming towards the camera. And this was in 3D. Oh no. Yeah. And they decided to make this shot, this start menu of the 3D Blu-ray. Oh no. And it is awful. Like, it is... I'll have to send it to you in a WhatsApp or something. Why it do is, you own that as a 3D Blu-ray? <laughs> that, that, that's... Sorry, Gary. That's my father-in-law. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> no, not me, but no. He he loves, I mean, he, he just loves just movies, so uh, he loves that film, but he Fair. doesn't have the, the visual effect eye like we do. But, um, yeah, just, oof. Yeah. Oof. Um, the, the other thing that I will always call out was, um, ooh, was it... Was it called the Wolverine? I yes, think it that's was. the one where it's in Japan. Because if you're that's talking, the one. yes, because um, Wolverine Origins was the first one. Then there oh was yeah, the no, Wolverine. Yeah, that's, okay. It was the Wolverine. Um, there is a shot of him with his claws out, looking at himself in a mirror, and he is admiring his beautiful claws, and he's uh, like so- turning them round in front of his face. And I went, "Those aren't anywhere near you." Yeah, that something actually, wrong in that shot. <laughs> that was in. I think that actually was in uh, Wolverine or um, Wolverine Origins because I remember this because he then breaks the sink and things. We 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 discussed this shot several times in our podcast. <laughs> this is how much it's obviously impacted us. us. Impacted us, yes, <laughs> because we've mentioned this shot a couple times when we talked about it. it. Didn't have rain on it or something, but yeah, it's basically. But yeah, that's he's, so bad. He's looking at yeah. It's so oh. bad. Like you, you feel like they're gonna pass through his body somehow, or like because doesn't he have both of the sets out? And he's like, yeah, it's out. And it looks like they're looks- just gonna go through each other, and it's just no bad, bad idea. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but good compositing, um, I'll never. I, I, I can't even tell you because that's the point. When it's good compositing, you don't realize that that's a full CG background. You don't realize Fair. that that was a. Di- you don't even realize that was a digi double, and they needed yeah. to be composited in. You just go, "That's a thing that happened." Yeah. Oh, speaking of digi doubles and of our previous past, did you watch the latest Terminator trailer? Yeah. What did you think? I thought. <laughs> I like it. Oh okay. I like it. I think it's gonna be good. I think it's, there's another there's another chase on a highway. They've got uh, no ideas at all, and it's great. And I'll happily uh, watch all of it. There's the digi double when he jumps off the car. I was just like, yeah, it's just, everyone's real floppy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not talking like Harry Potter and the, like the Philosopher's Stone floppy, but floppy. Yeah. But yeah, like I say, there's no there's no good compositing that I can point to. Which is the point of it, yeah. la, la magique. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's only until like I see like a breakdown shot where you're just like, oh shit, I didn't realize that. Where it's like, oh, I didn't realize they had this yeah. and this and this and this and this, and you see all the layers. And I, I as we know, I worked and lived for those technical <laughs> breakdowns. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, it would be love cool them. if um, maybe at some point we can get a couple for companies that neither of us have worked at and do a um or like shows that neither of us have worked on yeah I was gonna say, um, it's starting to get tricky yeah i know <laughs> well like say a, a films that i haven't worked on i could yes. do and films that you haven't worked yes. on you could do but if we go through the technical breakdowns and do a voiceover of like this is what we think each of those layers is supposed to yes. represent because quite often they're just like here's 30 layers they're all dust yeah. And you're just like, okay, but what are they? And if you break it down, mm. you can actually see what they are. But when it's just like, da, 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 and it's just like the colors changing, <laughs> and you're just like, what did you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My, again, I think the one that always will stand out to me is for the X Martian. Men. Oh, okay. Or the second X Men, where the guy it turns into liquid on the table. Oh, God. They, I love they, that I, shot. Oh, but they showed like 30 passes. And this was before I knew visual effects. And I was like, why do you need so many passes? <laughs> 
Oh, but yeah. And it's it, all lighting. It's yeah. all just lighting passes. It's just yeah. indirect. Uh, my favorite pass is ambient occlusion. If uh. it so requires it. Which is funny because there's like a Tums commercial or Gauss gun commercial where basically the character that's rendered. It's just ambient occlusion. Pretty I much. love it. It's, I my, love it. it's my favorite thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh I, like I, we will do lighting, obviously. Yes. But lighting passes are just fun to look at. Yeah. Well, and I feel lighting passes are closest to almost calm. Like well, I yeah. Used, yeah, I used to get like when, for you know previous shows, I'd get the the lighting comp and go, oh, what or the lighting daily, and I'd go, oh, I, I thought this was comp, but there's a, like a. Nope few tells that you're like oh no not quite but yeah well it's also because a lot of the time they've got templates to put it into yeah um but what i mean what the lighting departments tend to split out it's it's all good yeah it's p- perfectly filthy <laughs> that is gonna have to become like a hashtag or something <laughs> i love it absolutely i love it so i um anything else for comp and roto and threat um, nothing that I can think of right now. Because I wanted to get a hot take on something. That's not... Oh, always. So, Sonic. Sonic. And the controversy of uh, having to basically listen to the fans, or the studio is listening to the fans and having uh-huh. the character... The mm-hmm. character redesign mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband and I have very different opinions on this. Oh, this is good. I'm actually curious to because this. Because my husband is one of the world's largest Sonic the Hedgehog fans, hands down. Yes. Um, you've never met anyone <laughs> who's as much of a fan of Sonic the Hedgehog and if anyone out there claims to be a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan, I would at me because I will fight you. Um, he obviously had the same opinion that everyone else did. Like, what this is awful. Change it. Um, and you know, I was, I had a barrage of of texts and and WhatsApp messages of just here are all the things that they could do to change it. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I think that it sets a dangerous precedent to um, ever listen to the fans. Um, uh, Whilst I appreciate that Paramount re-fucked up Mm. by making such a horrendous design to begin with and for letting that get through... Mm. um, I am reminded somewhat of Godzilla 1998. Yes. With the, uh, like, here's a list of things that we you can't do with Godzilla. <clears throat> Studio proceeds to do all of them. Yeah. The, then the guys who own Godzilla go, well, it's too different to be able to change it now. <sighs> Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> kind of wish they'd done that. Yeah. Where they just went... <laughs> We have to take this L. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's just been announced that the release date's been pushed back, which means that the artists have more time. Yeah. Which means that I am less angry than I was. Okay, yeah. Um, because what I didn't want was for that to completely crunch the artists. Yeah, because that would um, be... We- the, these are people who 
as I've said before, it's not the artist's fault yeah. if they are asked to make something that isn't good. They have to follow the vision of the creative supervisor, supervisor, the director, the studio, whoever it is who makes those decisions. It's actually on them. Mm -hmm. It's never on the artist. You can have an artist improve something, mm -hmm. but there's only so far they can go. You can only polish your turn so much. Exactly. And roll it in glitter. Yes. <laughs> Which is what my guys were doing. Yeah. They are all, like, I call them mine because they are, I love them so much. They are like my children. They have been all working crazy hard and they deserve that extra time. Yeah. If they're going to change it. So yeah. it, I'm not super happy, but I'm less unhappy than I was. Yeah. I, um, I also wonder how much is going to be redone. Because this is my thing. If you watch that trailer, I feel they purposely, and you obviously can't disclose, but you may know a more insider on this, that I feel they just made trailer shots showing him. Because if you watch that trailer, Sonic only interacts with someone once, maybe twice, where like it's an either a cutaway shot or I think there's a shot where he's sitting in a car and it's one shot. But it's one of those, if the assets didn't work, they're like, Oh, well, you know, it's on its own kind of thing. Like, I almost wonder if they were putting it out there to see how people would react to. Nope. Um, that's, that's, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of talk like that. And I just find it really naive that mm. people would go, oh, maybe this was, they intended for it to be bad. Or maybe, oh, I don't think or they, maybe they were just trying it out. Like, if they didn't think this was what they... If they hadn't decided to do this, they wouldn't have paid money for it. I, for me, felt the exact same way. When I saw this article, I'm kind of knowing a little bit of what I knew when I was still at previous said employment. Um, I was thought, this is very dangerous. Like, we're both parts of various fandoms where the fans are very demanding. Yep. And, and that's fine. Being passionate is great. That's part of being part of the fandom. But I'm very scared there's this kind of almost culture being built that's like the fans feel they own it. Yep. And this by this studio... Do you feel so, anything about Game of Thrones there? Uh, well, I... It's funny, I like... <laughs> that's another hot take another time. Um, I'm not bothered by the ending. Don't come at me. But I can appreciate people like my better half who were more emotionally invested that were kind of like, eh, they're a bit of pissed off and I get it. But that's... <laughs> Apparently I'm not a true viewer because I didn't watch it from the beginning and see all the episodes. I'm a tourist, but... <laughs> I mean, if it helps, I've never seen a single episode okay. and I think the ending was right. Okay. <laughs> because it's real nice to just pull that out when people are having a conversation and they're all angry about it and I'm just like I think the ending was fine I think it was exactly in character for every single and I think it was a perfect ending for everyone it really annoys people it's great yeah especially because I don't know about it. like people are like you know Cersei and I'm like I don't know which one that is <laughs> The only ones I know are Daenerys and Jon Snow, and that's because it's just meme land. Oh, Everyone yes. else, I'm just like, there's the little girl who was in a couple of episodes of Doctor Who. Uh, there's the one who's the who's Jean Grey. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, there's someone else Guy who I think was who in was... Star Wars, and I'm just sitting there going, these are all definitely humans. 
I think yes. maybe I'm actually not sure anymore. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're right with those that that kind of almost like self entitlement of the fandoms. I mean, we know Star Wars is very much Marvel, very much is that I. I so by I feel by is it, was it Sony? What studio was it? it? Was Paramount? By Paramount, kind of going. Yep, we've hurt you. We're gonna fix this. I mean, as a fan, I think that's cool. Okay, maybe they're actually, that's cool that they're listening. But then at the same time, that has now opened the floodgates yeah. for fans to go, oh, don't like it. Hashtag not my Han Solo. Hashtag not my Tony Stark. I mean, you get all these fucking, and it just, I think, sorry. to be but fair, you- I do think it's really funny that we've seen like crazy backlash over this Game of Thrones uh, new Batman, Robert Pattinson, just announced today. That's confirmed. Um, mm. The DC I, universe in general, um, Star Wars, like all these things, get enormous backlash. I the only thing I've seen backlash for in Marvel was Captain Marvel's man hating whore oh because God, she was me mean started. to a man when you know, whatever. In a deleted I don't care. scene, in like, a deleted scene, and it's just really funny how like that's the extent of it. Because I've not seen anyone go. That's not like, that's not what so and so should look like. I haven't really seen that very much. No, and that actually is very true. I mean, I think it just makes me wonder if some, maybe somebody, one of these things is not like the others. One of these things is taking more care. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. So, or sometimes I also wonder if maybe, again, this is kind of going on a very deep dive because with comics, but I guess this could be argued with DC. With Marvel, there's so many kind of alternate universes and different iterations of these characters that I know a lot of people didn't like Fat Thor. Ooh, pardon me. So, but it, yeah, it definitely isn't the outcry like you are hearing for some of these exactly. other ones. Well, it, it's it's yeah. funny how I think with a lot of the the Marvel like comic book things. They've somehow managed to get people who kind of looked like the characters. Mm. And if they didn't, they've been retconning them almost. Yeah, that's Like, I true. think the only one that I I would say I haven't seen a comic book where he looks the same is Hawkeye. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Which, you know, not everyone's favourite. I love him. But... Especially with that oh, dreadful I, hair. Oh, um, when he's running. But the um, something that keeps being pointed out at the moment is that the current run um, of comics that has Mr. Fantastic in, he looks strangely like John Krasinski. So people are like, they're going to reboot the Fantastic Four, and Mr. Fantastic's going to be John Krasinski. <laughs> And I was just like, something. are they doing this on purpose? What's happening here? Because if that actually happens, I'm going to be like, there is a conspiracy. <laughs> Wait, but isn't he... Sh- well, I guess that's DC. He's Shazam, isn't he? John Krasinski? No, 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 no. I'm oh, talking about the guy uh, from The Office. Yeah, Emma, Emma, Emma Blunt's husband. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know people's husbands. Oh, I don't know The Office. Either one. I know um, did you see A Quiet me- Place? Yes, was the dad is, out of the quiet place. Well, that's yeah, and that's Emily Blunt's husband. So yes, cool. yeah. And actually, speaking of which, that was a very well done film that surprised me. But yes, good film. And he was quite sexy in that too. I think <laughs> I just seen that when we first started this podcast, which shows just how long ago we started this podcast. Oh, I know, <laughs> I know. I like to say it's about the quality, not the quantity. <laughs> 
which I want to say a little bit of housekeeping. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so happy to announce we are now officially on Spotify. Yes. We are on Google Podcasts. We're on a couple of other different ones. Uh, we're, we're almost, we're, we're close to the, the, I feel, the coveted Apple Podcasts. Mainstream. Yes. Go, if you go to Anchor FM or anchor.fm uh, slash pending final, you can see all your various uh, streaming services we're on. Yeah. Shannon. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, I wanted to share that. I'm very excited. So it's no longer just SoundCloud. No, it's really cool. I've had a couple of people say to me, oh yeah, like I'm listening to your podcast on Spotify. And I was just like, oh really? That's really exciting. You found it. I I had that too. I've had a couple of people too go, oh, and people are like, oh, you guys actually have really good chemistry and it's really informative. I'm like, yeah, we do. (laughs) We're like, so chemistry. Oh yes. Like totally. (laughs) It's fun. Is it funny that the British person does that accent better than the American? (laughs) I didn't want to say anything. (laughs) No, I'll I'll own it. I'll totally own it. (laughs) I love it. Uh. Anyway, (laughs) next time I'm thinking we should talk about animation i i definitely agree i know kind of a little bit of housekeeping as well in the previous episode i had kind of said we were doing animation so i apologize if you thought we were doing animation not quite uh but i do think it is going to be very important because i think that will be a very big topic this summer when the lion king comes out and toy story 4 oh do tell why do you think because they are both Animation heavy movies, but I only call one of them an animation. Oh yes. Let's discuss later. I, yes, absolutely. I am so down for this. <laughs> so down for this. Because I, I feel obviously we're gonna be kind of in the same boat, but it's what, I love heavily the, uh, biased. Well no, 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 no. You no <laughs> well that too, but I mean like you you bring like the the very academia and like industry forward thinking and I, I try to bring more like the audience devil's advocate kind of thing. So <laughs> it is very difficult trying to explain to people Lion King and they're like, oh, so it's an animated film. No. But it's all CG. No. But yes, ladies and gentlemen, that will be next time. So with that, I think we shall give it a wrap. But uh, I have been Shannon. I've been Helen. And thank you for listening to Pending Final. And we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.